Hello authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of short non-fiction for authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Hello authors, I hope you're keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with award-winning young adult fiction author Holden Shepard. If you know Holden or follow him on social media, you'll see he has a massive following and is prolific with his posting across all platforms. So naturally, he's going to be talking to us about social media for authors and he's going to discuss how social media has helped his author career, whether he posts strategically or not, and whether authors in 2022 need to have a social media presence to be successful. Holden also shares his tips on and do's and don'ts for authors looking to get started on social. So in my author adventure this past fortnight, a whole lot of life got in the way of me being not very productive in my author business. I planned to record the audio for Author Fears and How to Overcome Them last Thursday, but uh, I couldn't for some unforeseen reason. Uh, I can't remember now. I think it was due to noise or workmen or something happening on our street. Uh, instead, I spent my time digging out old short stories. There's a competition happening at the moment in Australia. It's called Australia's Biggest Yarn, I think. And it's for a short story competition. And it's open to all ages and it's quite a big cash prize. And I just thought, why not look over past work and see if I've got anything good enough to enter. And it was really nice revisiting old works. And um, yeah, I quite enjoyed reading stuff that I'd written in uni. And I actually thought it was really good. <laughs> so, so that was good to revisit old stuff. I also started to look up some research books for uh, the next in my Author Linings nonfiction series, which is Performance for Authors. And annoyingly, uh, I couldn't get any from my ECU library and I've had to just go to the local library, but at least I've started, I've picked up two and they're quite very interesting books so far. So I've started tentatively researching that. Yeah, so me planning on doing the recording for Author Fears and How to Overcome Them last Thursday changed to Friday. When I woke up on Friday, I had a head cold and I spent the whole day in bed instead. Did negative rat test for COVID and was negative. Yeah, and then my youngest child started getting fevers on Monday night or Monday, early Monday morning. And then um, we did like a took her for a test and she turned a positive COVID test the next day. Uh, and then my other eldest daughter, she ended up testing positive. I was negative, negative that whole time, but I have felt really rubbish. You might be able to hear it in my voice uh, these last two days, but still negative tests. And then uh, this morning, which is Friday the 13th, and it's actually my, of May, <laughs> it's actually my birthday. Happy birthday to me. I got a positive COVID test so I'm feeling rather lousy <laughs> so yeah it's it's I can't imagine a whole lot's going to get done that is life and we just have to roll with the punches so 
So if you love the podcast or any of the episodes has helped you further in your author career, you can now pay it forward by buying me a coffee over at www.buymeacoffee.com slash the hybrid author. So that's enough for me. Let's crack on with the episode. Holden Shepherd is an award-winning author born in Geraldton, Western Australia. His debut novel, Invisible Boys, Fremantle Press, 2019, was published to both critical and commercial success. Invisible Boys won the WA Premier's Prize for an Emerging Writer, was shortlisted for the Victorian Premier's Literary Awards, and was named a notable book by the Children's Book Council of Australia. The novel is currently in production as a television series and Holden's second novel, The Brink, will be published in August this year by Text Publishing. An absolute dream start to your author career, Holden. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast. G'day, Joe. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. So can you tell us, how did you come into the world of writing and uh, produce such an amazing work of art? (laughs) Uh, well, look, I'm still guessing about that second part. I don't know how that <laughs> happened, but uh, uh, I've been wanting to be a writer since I was literally seven years old. So it was one of those things that happened very young and I was reading a lot of um, Enid Blyton books of all things. And uh, I just wanted to kind of, I was like, where's the Aussie kind of boy boarding school story? You know, it didn't exist. Uh, and so I thought, well, I'll just write it myself then. And so I started, uh, got a little exercise book and a notepad, started writing uh, a story about Jake. Uh, who went to boarding school and uh, <laughs> just kind of never stopped from there. I, I was I, I was very serious about it at the age of seven that, you know, this is my career. I, you know, I was going to charge $2.75 a book. I don't know where I pulled that number from. It's definitely not enough to make a profit. But I, uh, I was very serious that this is my dream. This is what I want to do with my whole life. And I want to be a writer. I just kept going at it. So um studied at uni and then uh, after uni did an honours degree and then eventually made my way to, you know, making the plunge of working on a full-length manuscript. And uh, I wrote a fantasy novel that never got published, but I spent about three years on that one. Uh, And then when that failed, I ended up having to kind of dig deep and go, well, what am I going to have to write if I'm going to get published? You know, like, what do I have to do to get an agent or a publisher to really take notice of me? And the answer was that I had to write about what hurts. I had to write something real. So um, there was a great quote from Ernest Hemingway, write hard and clear about what hurts. And I thought, that's what you do. That's that's the way to get a book published is that you dive into something real. So I wrote a book called Invisible Boys in 2017. Uh, it got published in 2019 and the rest is history. Yeah. Oh, huge congrats. Uh, that's you. amazing. Amazing to have a dream as a kid, quite that young, and then still have the same one and, you know, kind of go after it. That's great. <laughs> that's good that I didn't say astronaut or something, right? Like, <laughs> A lot more work, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, did you keep any of the work from when you were like seven? Like you sort of wrote down your little notebook? Do you know, I've I've kept literally all of it. Oh, wow. I have everything. I have most of it. Uh, I've got most of it in the filing cabinet, which is about two feet away from where I'm sitting right now. And the rest is somewhere locked up in storage. But I wheeled it out probably about two or three years ago. There's something called the Bad Diaries Salon. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, I haven't. Um, but uh, you get a bunch of writers in a pub and, you know, you get the writers to read their earliest works and their really bad poetry and their journals. And um, so I whipped it all out back then and it was hilarious. I was I was pissing myself laughing because, you know, I was not a good writer at seven. You know, I was seven years old. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was just falling off cliffs and it was crazy. Yeah. But, no, I've kept it all. I'm very sentimental about it. 
That's awesome. You can probably take that into schools as well and be like, you know, I started here. This is this is you now. This could be you. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. I've never done mm. that, but I should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for sure. So, well, I I know you and know of you from various events and uh, in the literary scene, but uh, mainly we've conversed on social media, Facebook mainly. But it feels like every time I open social media, media, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, you're there. <laughs> <laughs> Your posts are there like every day and stuff. So yeah, today I wanted to talk to you about social media. And uh, yeah, I mean, do you post strategically? Is that something you have put yourself out there to do? You've thought about it? Or is it just naturally that you go on social media and, or a bit of both? It's a great question. I love talking about social media because it is something that authors, I think, need to know how to get a handle on. I am a mix of both strategic and organic when it comes to social media. So The reason I really love Instagram in particular is that you can do stories. So I can just throw a story up there of whatever I'm doing in the day, or if I see a meme or if I'm at the gym and I take a video of me working out, which is horribly self-absorbed, but I like (laughs) it. But so that's just a space. And and Twitter's kind of to some extent similar that you can just put a random tweet out there. You can put a random Insta story out there and it's just like, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Like, here's me just being me. And I don't have to worry about, you know, is that going to, is that post going to get enough numbers? Is it going to get enough engagement and reach? And, you know, I don't need to stress about that. So it's just really me being myself. Where I am more strategic is where I think about, okay, what am I going to post on Instagram on my main feed? What am I going to post on Facebook, on my author page? And, and Twitter as well to some extent, because you've always got something coming up. And I've found the busier I've gotten, the more projects that have been happening at once, there's always something coming up in the wings where you're like, okay, Monday next week, I've got to promote, you know, the Perth Festival appearance. And then, you know, Wednesday, I've got to promote that this book is coming out. And then I've got to make sure I remember to tell everyone to log into this thing. Otherwise, I won't have anyone watching me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always something in the wings. So there is a, an element of being strategic about, you know, posting enough, posting at certain times. Like I used to, like, I'll, I'll make sure I don't post, you know, in the middle of the night because no one's going to like the post. And then uh, your stats go down and, and probably the algorithm will work out that, well, this guy's posts don't do very well. So why would we push him forward? Do you think, um, though, if you did, like, you would reach a different kind of audience? Like, the well, especially in Twitter, to me, um, is quite Americanized mm-hmm. um, with the people that are on mine. I think you can change it around. But, like, if you posted at, you know, a certain time frame, that's good for them. You might get mm-hmm. a whole other audience. <laughs> That's a good point. I think, and I used to do that when probably like 2016, 2017, 2018, when I was kind of like an indie author and I was putting out like little short stories on Kindle and stuff like that. I used to post deliberately at night because that was the time the Americans were waking up. So I I used to get lots of engagement because I was posting kind of very generic writing tips or writing memes and and things about creative writing. So, and I'm not saying like big enough, but I get two or 300 likes on a tweet, which for someone who was no one was like, oh, that is good. (laughs) Following me back. And, you know, that was quite (laughs) nice. So that worked for a certain time. But then when it shifted to being, oh, hang on, I'm now published in Australia and New Zealand. My book is only published here, apart from kind of on Amazon and and Kindle and and Audible. I I needed to focus my audience, my, my social media posting on, well, when's my audience awake? And also not just when they're awake, but a post isn't only seen in that first few minutes. It's seen for a certain amount of hours after that. So you don't want to be posting, if most of your audience is in Australia um, and you post at 8 p.m. Perth time, which is 11 p.m. Sydney time, uh, you might get a few people just before bed hitting like and interacting with you and then they all go to sleep. And then all the engagement on that post stops and it, it can kill that uh, post. So 
for the sake of engagement and reach, it's important to time it kind of during the day. So I usually do like early morning or like late Arvo tends to be a decent time uh, for me. And that depends what platform you're on, um, how often you post. So like Facebook uh, author page, I'll post maybe two or three times a week, Twitter multiple times a day, Instagram every day when I'm in promo mode and then less frequently when I'm not. But wow. again, stories. That's, a lot. Are, that's, quite, that's quite a lot. I suppose are you in like not so much a schedule, but more like a routine now you're thinking you know, like throughout the day for Twitter seems probably quite natural. And then you just, you yeah, just it feels normal. It yeah, it's just so part of what I do every day now. So it doesn't feel like work. One thing I watched a webinar by like a marketing, digital marketing expert years ago, kind of 2015, 2016, probably all the rules have changed now. Uh, but at the mm-hmm. time he was kind of talking about Twitter and he's saying, you know, if you're going to use Twitter as a writer, uh, you need to spend 30 minutes on it every day. And at the time I was like, well, I hate Twitter and I don't want to spend 30 minutes every day on Twitter and I don't have the time to do that. But then I thought, well, I've taken this guy's webinar for a reason. Like I, if he's an expert and he's saying this, I'm going to give it a bash. Um, and I would now spend way more than half an hour every day on Twitter. And it's just integrated into my life that that's what I do. Um, but that's why I have a really engaged following on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so it does absolutely work, but it does require a commitment. So yeah, it's, it's integrated into my life. It's fairly organic. I have it in my head when I need to post stuff about certain, you know, marketing campaigns or whatever, but I don't literally kind of structure it in a document or anything like that. It's not, it's not that uh, sophisticated. You do, (laughs) you do follow (laughs) campaigns then you do know a bit about that and you do put it out. So maybe like, well, what, what's the campaign sort of like a promotion of your book before it's launched or, and then after that type of thing or. Yeah. So when I talk about campaigns, I'm thinking more when you're with a publisher and they kind of give you a schedule of like, here's what we're going to be posting about, you know, Fairmount Press might be posting about Hungerford Award and they might be saying that here's what we're posting or whatever. So you might be aware that they've, you know, they're marketing professionals, so they will map it out in the document because they have to. And I'll follow what I'm required to do from a campaign like that if I'm given one. But I, uh, on my own, I just uh, like to wing it by the seat of my pants. Yeah, okay. Well, I have to say, like, I find you very open and honest. Um, and like, I don't like we don't hang out. I don't really like know you on a personal level. But from your social media, I feel like I do. Uh, you right. seem quite genuine. Um, sometimes we see we see a lot of you. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, I mean, did you just decide to put you put yourself out there completely? Or are there parts of your life that you just know? that's that's off limits you don't share at all because I feel like you do share a lot like you do there's there's like your your personal side and then um you know sometimes family as well and you're with your Mm. marriage and um obviously your exercise is a big massive thing and um as well as your career but so what I'm like what else is there (laughs) there's not much else to me to be honest yeah family gym footy writing um I yeah so I made a really conscious decision I don't it was probably a marketing webinar or seminar or something that I went to around the same time I went to a lot of things um, Mm -hmm. when I was kind of emerging and I was like I'm going to find out everything I need to do Um, but someone said you need to put your face out there on social media if you want people to engage with you and uh, for the first year or so that I was on Twitter and social media I didn't really do that especially Twitter I was just like words or gifs or memes but you don't see my face and even my headshot from that time was very generic like I had this very kind of schoolboy look mm-hmm. um and it wasn't me you know like it was not really reflective of my personality or who I am yeah. um but I was trying to be like oh well I'm a writer so there's my little writer headshot and you know writers just write stuff they don't show their face and so once I saw this I was like oh hang on clearly that's a true thing and then I started to notice it in my own feeds you know if I'm scrolling through I do stop if I see a face and I'm like oh who's this person? what are they doing 
you know, I will scroll straight past a, a tweet or a post where there's no image. So I thought, okay, this is the way forward. And around the same time, it just happened to kind of coincide with, I think, 2017, 2016. Uh, I lost a ton of weight. I, was, I really didn't like how I looked. I used to be obese and just very uh, unfit. Um, and so I would never take photos of myself anyway. That just didn't exist. Yeah. Uh, and so when I did start to lose a little bit of weight, I was like, um, you know, maybe I, maybe I can take a photo. Maybe I can put it up on the internet and, you know, no one will kill me. Um, and and, you know no one did kill me and and in fact in hindsight you know I I could have been any size and I could have taken a photo and everyone would be like hey nice to meet you but at the time I felt very very self-conscious and and I really lacked confidence um, and self-esteem but yeah once I had that sense of like I feel okay about taking a selfie and I'm going to then it became like rampant and now I (laughs) now I'm like this just massive like narcissistic (laughs) selfie monster you know but also it works like I noticed especially at the start I don't check it anymore but in that very early stage when I started posting, you know, here I am at some event and instead of a picture of uh, the audience at a festival, it would be me standing there at the festival and suddenly everyone was clicking on it. You know, like suddenly there were lots and lots of clicks on that image and there were lots of engagement with those with those posts and I was like, ah, oh, this is what works on social media. So yep. it's I, to some extent that's cynical, I guess, but uh, it's part of what I do. And then, yeah, I just really made a conscious effort to make it me. So you know, not to be that schoolboy kind of headshot guy. I was like, I'm just going to, you know, I am a bit of a bogan and it's pretty obvious if you talk to me for five seconds. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'm just going to embrace that and just I'm not going to try to pretend to be this literary guy because I'm never going to be that. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to be myself and just put it out there. Uh, but there are there are actually limits. It, it might not look like it because I do share and I do probably overshare. But I think it's really important if you're in the public eye in any way that you you have to have your own secrets. You have to have things that you don't talk about Otherwise, it becomes just this total invasion and there's no private you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed when I was on my book tour, I was in a regional town and someone asked me a question that was really personal. It was something in Invisible Boys that happens. It's, and, and they're kind of like, did that happen to you? And I, at the time I thought, well, you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to be open. You've got to be honest. You've got to, you know, that's the way to connect with people. And so, so I told this whole audience of people that, you know, oh, yes, that happened to me and here's the, you know, here's the detail. And as soon as I'd done it, I thought, I don't want to tell anyone that. Yeah. I, I, I never wanted anyone to know that I'd done that. And now I've told a whole group of people. And that was kind of the moment where it turned for me and I was like, I, I need to have things that I don't say. I need mm-hmm. to have a part of my life that's just for me and my husband and, and the people who know me intimately. And so they're worth, you know, if I do an interview now, if it's a deep dive about my, my life, I will say to someone, you know, I don't want to really talk about the suicide stuff. I don't really want to talk about my family being dysfunctional and, you know, and everything that goes with that. Uh, I'm not going to tell you about my sex life or my husband's sex life. You know, like that's, <laughs> these things are off limits, but I have to put those boundaries in place. So there's, there's being kind of open and honest and vulnerable, but there's also being um, protective of your own mm-hmm. self. And I think it's really important when you're setting up social media. Yeah, like boundaries and yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that it's not something I struggle with. I have to say, like, I feel like I I've, I'm rarely on social media these days. But my I sort of grapple with yeah, putting my whole self out there and very very mindful of looking to get into the children's fiction um, sphere. And I think I've seen this before about someone uh, like an article with yourself about being called like an icon. And you oh, right. yeah, you were. I don't think you were happy about that. Ah, but it is, yes, it yes, is that. Uh, it's like, yeah. When when yeah when you're out there you and you put yourself out there and then you, because you're this role model you're expected to behave a certain way so mm. like I'm always wondering 
and I don't like to feel fake in any way like I have to feel genuine to put myself out there but yeah I have just thought you know so I guess if people who are putting themselves out there they need to think about how they want to be perceived by people and set up some boundaries as well as you said I think that's actually a really good point especially for children's I Mm. think I think the only reason I can get away with what I do is (laughs) just barely just barely (laughs) but I think the only reason I can is because my book you know Invisible Boys and The Brink as well are kind of they're 15 and up mm, like they're mm. they're they're not just YA they're really upper YA yeah you know they're MA 15 plus if they were a TV show you know like they're, they're really they're edgy enough that it's okay that I am as well like yeah. I can show that part of myself because the people who are buying my book are 15 and older so they can handle that and I don't need to stress about ruining <laughs> my image but if you've got yeah. something that's YA for like 12 to 15 if you've got something for middle grade or junior I think it actually is really important sadly <laughs> I don't think it should be I think you should be able to kind of <laughs> you know be yourself on social media but I do think that there would be a part to play in you know the gatekeepers the people who are going to book you for a school talk or mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing if if you're there and it sound like really judgmental but you know if you're there like drinking and partying all over your social media and stuff yeah. or being really provocative <laughs> sexually or anything like that yeah um, and then you go cool I'm writing picture books and you know come have me do a talk obviously I don't know <laughs> you can do whatever you want but I think there will be people who go oh no yeah. we can't book this person because on social media, they come across this way. Mm-hmm. I, I've definitely had people, I mean, I've had people not want to book me for an author talk just because of my book, let alone yeah. me. You know, oh, we don't want the sex mentioned. That's not all. Well, we don't want the gayness mentioned. That's not all. What, what, <laughs> what do you want me to say? There's not much yeah. left to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it is a real consideration if you're yeah. in YA children's space. You know, what are you putting out there mm-hmm. um, and who's going to, still want to book you for a school talk yeah no that's a a really good point so you're definitely sounding like pro social media for authors so do you you would say you believe authors in 2022 need to have a social media presence to be successful or I do if I think the caveat is if you define success and I would (laughs) (laughs) you define success as selling lots of copies of your book Mm -hmm. um yes I think you ought to have a social media presence. Uh, I think the key is that it should feel like something you're comfortable with. So if you're someone who you hate selfies and you really don't want to use Instagram, then don't. You know, if you if you don't like political stuff, if you don't like things being reshared with other people, don't use Twitter. Maybe your Facebook is your thing or maybe Instagram, but you just take photos of plants. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> I don't know. But, but it has to be, I think, uh, in line with who you are. So who you are personally and who you are as a professional, you know, your brand, you know, if you're, if you're writing kids in YA, then, you know, target your social media accordingly. But I do think it's important. I think a lot of my sales, a lot of my impact has come from the fact that I'm very hyper present on social media. I've found a lot of readers that way. I found a lot of media opportunities that way. So it, it really does amplify your voice, your chance to get noticed by people in a way that can't be done otherwise like it's free you know like you can just yeah. log on there and just you know if you if you're really clever with how you do it you can get noticed for free um just putting in your own time so i think that's really important but i think there are authors who you know i'm thinking someone maybe like really literary who just wants to kind of write this very you know literary stuff and garner critical acclaim but doesn't really care about sales then you know i don't think you do need social media for that and i can think of a fair few literary authors who just avoid it altogether and they're quite <laughs> happy doing that because they hate it. So yeah. um, I don't think it's essential to do that. But yeah, if you're wanting to be commercially successful, I would have a hard time taking a commercial author seriously if they didn't have social media. Mm-hmm. Social media has kind of helped your author career by the connections you've made, I suppose, and the opportunities you've you've found from these connections. 
with people or events and stuff or and readers I suppose yeah yeah it's definitely you know the power of having someone share your stuff or retweet it means it's going to other people's audiences not just yours so you're constantly getting exposed to people who don't already know about you if you're using hashtags you're finding people who are into the same things you are um, so using hashtags, especially you know, Instagram, but also Twitter, kind of in the earlier days, it just got me exposed to lots more readers. So actually, firstly, it got me exposed to lots more writers. Like writers, and, and you know, you'll know this because we're both writers and you know, we've crossed paths on social media. Writers are kind of your first supporters. You know, like they'll they'll kind of rally around you and be like, oh, I'm an emerging writer as well. Or, I'm aspiring and haven't written anything yet, but I want to. And, and that's your kind of initial core base of people who are going to support you. So um, social media helps you find other writers in your tribe first off and then secondly it finds you know readers who want to read what you're doing and and podcasters media you know programmers people in libraries and schools are really important and I think mm. that's a part of the industry that you don't get told a lot of a lot of about um, in the very early stages but you know those people will book you for paid talks and appearances and promotions and those people are on social media yeah no that's excellent and do you feel uh one thing I've always worried about I don't feel like I've got (laughs) a lot of opinions about a lot of stuff but you Mm. know when you become quite opinionated and and really putting yourself out there you can I I guess some authors would worry about like the backlash that comes from that have you (laughs) have you had to deal with have you dealt with a lot of negativity or a lot of negative backlash from either opinionated posts or even just to do with your book or other things? Um, I have. Yeah, over the years, there's been a range of things that have come up that have been, I mean, some have been small but annoying. Some of them have been enormous and viral. And it is, it's actually a really stressful thing to have happen. If something blows up in a negative way, it gives you the same fight or flight response you'd have with any kind of, you know, someone coming at you with a knife. Like you, yeah. your body is just like, oh my God, you know, like, yeah. like people are turning on me. I'm, you know, I'm not okay. I'm, you know, am I going to lose everything? Am I going to lose all my friends? Like it's, it's an incredibly stressful thing um, to have happen. What I have learned, I had one, <laughs> I had one re- relatively recently within the last month or so. And it was a huge pile on, uh, on me personally. Like it was really, really toxic. And just all these people just absolutely just hating me. Like, oh. and, and that's fine. You know, like if you're going to be a public figure, you're going to get people who just yeah, don't yeah. like you. And that happens. But there were a few in there who were people I knew, you know, like authors, people I thought were friends and just kind of just absolutely stabbed me in the back. And I kind of was like, wow, this is terrible. But I've learned that often the saying something on my own social media can often make that worse. And so I've learned to go, I might have to say something in private, either to the people involved or just ignore the people involved and say something, you know, private to my husband or to my mates and just be like, whoa, this just happened. And it's terrible. And process it that way. Um, Because if you, uh, there was something that happened in 2020, um, which I can't talk about because there was a legal uh, legal threat around it um, of defamation. So I can't talk about it. Um, This thing happened and I kind of, I, I was really upset about it. It happened in good faith. I went on social media and you know, I'm so upset about this thing that's happened and it blew up terribly, but it blew up in both ways. So I had lots of people coming at me saying, you're just doing this for attention. Uh, I had the media, I had like, as in news and radio and TV or coming at my publicist wanting to talk. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I didn't do this for that. We shut it all down, which is why it's quite frustrating. Actually, because <laughs> people, people would get there and say, oh, you just did this for yeah. publicity. And I was like, well, no, actually I shut all the publicity down and it wasn't about it, it was about saying how I felt at the time. But what was really scary was that as much as there was a negative backlash, there was also 
if you're a public figure and you say like, hey, I'm really upset about this company or I'm really upset about this thing that's happened, you have lots of people, you've got, you know, tens of thousands of supporters who are following you who are going, how dare they? We're going to fight for you. Yeah. And so they get involved. <laughs> and so that was what I realised. pitchfork coffee. <laughs> yeah, I'd suddenly kind of lit everyone's torches in the village and everyone had their pitchfork <laughs> yeah. they, they were going for it. And it was, it, it's not that I didn't appreciate all the support, but it was like, oh, what have I done? You know, like that was the first moment I realized, like, oh, like if I use my platform to say something negative, especially if it names the person, um, this can just kick off. Yeah. And so that's been quite challenging. So I've learned to just not. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned that, you know, if something bad happens and it yeah. really upsets me, um, the risk is if I'm alone. So if I'm, if I'm alone and something terrible happens on social media, that's when I'm most likely to be like reactive and be like, I'm going to post about this. And, you know, I need support right now. So I'm going to post about it and say how I feel. And, you know, it feels great for about 30 seconds. And then yeah. <laughs> I go, oh, what have I done? Um, so I've learned, I've learned that actually the best way is to, to not respond yeah. in the moment at all, yeah. um, but also not publicly. You know, don't put it on social media, back away, deal with it privately. Um, and that can diffuse the whole situation really quickly. But there's no way, you know, there's no way around trolls. Trolls are always going to be there. Mm. Um, people I, I block very frequently. I encourage people to block others you know even if they're people in the industry i block authors all the time yeah. um if if someone's you know really toxic and really abusive online it doesn't matter if you're a blue tick author or you're a random troll with no profile picture it's the same behavior yeah um yeah. so I, I i very quickly block people uh, and then they often screenshot it i've, I've always found that really weird <laughs> So, yeah. so people will kind of screenshot and be like, Holden Shepherd has just blocked me. And they'll, tweet it, you know, they'll tweet it to their followers as if they've kind of, they're exposing me for being someone who blocks. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't block nice people. I block yeah. people who are really awful. So you're not, this is not something to be proud of. Yeah. They're probably <laughs> trying to gain some traction maybe off the back of you or something. I, I do, yeah. You know, so you just have to kind of shrug that stuff off as well and just ignore mm. it and not reply. But yeah, so it's, it's a weird space, especially if you're opinionated, you know, <laughs> um which sadly I am but I'm, I'm learning I'm learning to be a grown-up and I'm learning to just uh either not share the opinions or or you know deal with it privately yeah I would say the topics that in my opinion are to stay away from is politics uh COVID Trump but like oh all, all those especially uh-huh. COVID like I've just been noticing on social media how divided especially groups of friends that I know um you yeah. know oh it's crazy so I just nope. and I and about the borders opening and stuff and uh, I've just held myself back from exploding so much like or just saying anything at all I have just stopped myself because I know that it's just going to it's just going to create more uh friction and craziness like it's it's not going to help anybody it's just my frustrations coming out at other people's frustrations so yeah yes. I think that's really wise yeah um but I think as well this comes back this negative stuff and those kind of contentious topics or sharing your opinion it does come back to your social media brand like mm. and that's why I don't like even though I have occasionally tweeted something opinionated about whatever I deliberately often don't. So if there's like a, if there is some kind of thing that everyone is up in arms about, which let's face it, every day, there's at least one, <laughs> two or three or 10 things that you know, everyone's outraged about in society. Um, I don't tweet about them. Mm. And even if it's about something that people think I should be, you know, if it's something about LGBT stuff or yeah. mental health or, yeah. or whatever, you know, like, why aren't you tweeting? But why aren't you saying something? I'm like, cause I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to. I don't mm. want to be constantly this angry, negative person online. Yeah, that, exactly. that becomes who you are. And I don't want it in my life. So I, you know, I agree with your, you know, I agree with your anger. I think this thing that's <laughs> happened is terrible, but 
I don't need to post about it every day. Otherwise that becomes who I am. Yeah. Yeah. So you've already shared so many um, tips for authors looking to join social media and post and things like that. So, and and I think you've shared some, some don'ts. (laughs) Do you have some (laughs) do's and don'ts for, for authors looking to just start out or anything other specific that you haven't mentioned already? For authors, I think starting out when I started out, this is a don't. I used to, because I was an indie author, so I was just oh, putting yeah. out little buy short my book, stories. Buy my book. <laughs> that's that's yes. it. And I was literally, I was like, tweet, 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 tweet constantly. You know, like here is my book cover. Here is my book. It's available here, and you know, it would get one like or two <laughs> likes, and I'd be like, why is no one listening? I'll just do it again. You know, and you just and you become you you come across as this sales bot. No one's going to interact with that. No one wants to be friends with that guy. So uh, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. Instead, just do, just be a human being, like just be you, just show everyone who you are day in, day out, you know, get to know them, uh, reciprocate, you know, like, you know, interact with other people. If you're interacting with them and you're being a mate to them, they'll be a mate to you. And it kind of, you scratch each other's backs and you support each other when you've got something uh, important to share. Um, so yeah, so be a human being, be reciprocal. And then every now and then, yes, you will have a chance to be like, you know, here's yeah. my book and it's now. Do you think it's okay much. though to share your covers and obviously especially for indies as well and and the process they go through like uh, illustrators show especially for children's show their mm. drawings and their sketches all the time and stuff like that that's you, that's all good like the process is good. Oh absolutely mm. no you've got to do it you've got to show it off it's just about yeah. mixing it in instead yeah. of kind of like I'm, I'm for me it was you know a few times a day they're like and here's my thing and it's this mm. much and you're just sharing the same thing over and over you know yeah. no one's listening. And in fact, you're actively turning people away. Whereas if you're, you know, here I am having a coffee here, here I am at the gym, here am I doing this. And hey, today my book is, you know, first glimpse of my cover and here it is. But that's, you know, like you just want to keep it minimal. Um, It's harder when you're an indie because social media is so vital. So you kind of need to do a lot of it. But yeah, keeping it minimal. And even like, I I don't think, apart from the day Invisible Boys came out, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I've never tweeted, well, I might be wrong, but I don't think I've ever actually gone, hey guys, here is this book and posted the picture of the cover with a link and said, buy it. Mm-hmm. I think I've only ever done that on the day that it's, I think the day the pre-orders went up and the day that the book was released. But I've posted about that book a lot. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so the way is to be saying something different about it each time. So you're not just going, here's cover, here's link, buy my book. It's, you know, twelve yeah. ninety nine on Amazon or whatever the hell it is. Um, it's, hey, here I am with my book at my local wherever. And that's how you get your book seen that day. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, someone else posts a picture with, a, you know, a shelfie of your book and that's what you share a week later. Yep. So you're constantly getting that out there. So my book cover is always going out there and there's selfies of me with my book out there all the time. But the story, the caption that's going with it is not, guys, buy it. Here's the link. Click, 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 click. Yeah. It's yeah. just, here's what I'm doing today. And oh, here's my book in a photo. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It's probably about connection as well. Like, so what you're saying is, you know, buy my book, but these people don't know you. And then if you're sharing, I'm at the gym, I'm having a coffee that if someone sees that probably like, Oh, I like the gym. Oh, I like coffee. Oh yeah. This guy's written a book. Yeah. I can connect with him. It might be decent or something yeah. on that level. So yeah, no, that's awesome. So you are a hybrid author. Well, kind of. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, well, you're indie I, I do. And now you're in the traditional. So tell us I, about your well, indie experience. Yeah. I, so I wrote uh, that fantasy manuscript. That was my first book that I wrote. And I, I really thought it would get, when I sent it to agents and publishers, there was just no interest. Um, oh, there was not no interest. There was, <laughs> actually, I never sent it to publishers, to be honest. So I, I only ever sent it to agents. But 
everyone said no. One, there was one full request and he really liked it, but he ended up saying no. And so that kind of made me rethink and pivot to kind of writing more real and gritty stuff like Invisible Boys and The Brink. But yeah, so when I was still thinking, maybe when I was in the phase of this fantasy manuscript has failed, maybe I'll have to publish it myself. I, uh, 2017, I sat there and went, okay, I'm going to release four short stories as eBooks and actually as paperbacks as well. I printed out paperbacks uh, of these short stories, which again, not commercially a good idea. You do not have a good profit margin off these things. (laughs) But uh, I did, yeah, so I did, and it's going to be every quarter. So I did like, first quarter was a story called A Man. Second quarter was uh, Scroll of Isidore, which is fantasy. And then there was The Black Flower, which was like edgy kind of contemporary. And then the fourth one was meant to be a gay short story novella called Damage Control. And I wrote it and it was about 15, 20,000 words. And it was about this guy called Cade. And I just remember writing this gay story and thinking, this is, I really want to keep writing this story. And it never <laughs> stopped. And it ended up becoming Invisible Boys. Oh, wow. When it, came to, when it came to that fourth quarter in 2017, I was like, I don't think I want to, like I made the cover for it and everything. It was going to be my fourth indie release. And I just kind of had this moment where I was like, I don't think I'll, like, I feel like this might be good enough to, to put out there as, you know, maybe someone will publish it. So instead I sent it off to, to agents and, uh, and it actually was, it actually yeah. did. So that was kind of the end of my indie career. Um, but it could have gone a very different way for me. It could have, yeah. it could have been that I ended up being an indie. And, I, you know, I still, I like to dabble. I did something on Wattpad late last year and I wrote a Pokemon fan fiction. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, it was called The Skeleton Thief. Um, and I literally, because I used to do this when I was a teenager, I used to write Pokemon fanfics yeah, and wow. uh, just put it out there chapter by chapter. And I was feeling really down about my, between the brink and my third book. And I was like, I just, you know, I need to, I need to reconnect with, how writing was just fun and it just felt joyous, you know, getting that flow state, just having fun with it. So I thought, you know, screw it. No one said that just because you get published traditionally and you win awards that you can't write indie or you can't write fanfic. Like I can do it a lot. Um, so I did. So, <laughs> so I wrote this eight part, uh, eight part novella called The Skeleton Thief and I put it up week by week on Wattpad and, you know, people read it. It was quite yeah. fun, actually. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's good to share that and a good exercise as well. It sounds like you really like the fantasy style as well so I can imagine you might go into that genre again hey it's look it's on the cards still but it's on the back burner I've just got I've got a two book deal with text which is the brink and then the third book fourth book is probably Invisible Boys sequel so wow that's gonna be great five years from now I'll look at fantasy again you know (laughs) yeah I haven't haven't lost interest in it it's just uh it's on the back burner yeah maybe that's your process to get back to the fun side of writing is to dabble in that before you go back over to the the really serious stuff yeah yeah it's a good way to do it I just I, I don't think we get very lost in making a career as an author and trying to break through and succeed and and don't get me wrong that's awesome because it's my <laughs> life now and I live for it it's been my lifelong dream and I love every day of it yeah um, but I I think within that it's important to just to not completely disconnect from I love writing writing's really fun yeah and I think that's a really vital part that's it because it can be quite hard and you can put roadblocks in front of yourself to want to write like the best thing ever and and that in itself is something that can just put you off completely so yeah that's right a- have fun. Well, I'll backtracking a little bit, um, back to the social media. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I mean, you, you obviously said that when you receive negative comments and stuff, you, we're lucky we've got the ability that we can block these people. Uh, mm. Is there any other security measures that you put in place, like to protect yourself on social media? I'm not. Yeah, no, I do. I've got a, 
I've got a very engaged following and it's decent size. It's not, it's not massive, but there's something like 13,000 people. Mm. Um, and so there's enough there that you occasionally do just attract someone who's just a, a little bit not well and um, makes you feel a bit uncomfortable in some way. Mm. Um, so I've had a few run-ins where I've been like, whoa, like I'm really, that made me feel really quite uncomfortable. There's been a couple where I was genuinely really terrified, you know, oh, it's really, gosh. really messed up stuff that's been sent to me or, yeah, just messages or, you know, audio messages and, and all kinds of stuff that I won't yeah. go into. Um, <laughs> but, there, but there's stuff and you're just like, whoa, this is terrifying. Um, so I am just really cautious. And there's even been, you know, like I've tweeted, you know, here I am at this shop or whatever, or here I am on a train and people are like, I'm on the train, where are you? Yeah. you know, I'm at the shop or oh, I'm coming to you now. And it's like, oh, no, yeah. no. Like, <laughs> I wasn't inviting my whole following to please come and find me. You know, I was just saying here I am. So. Yeah, um, that's so actually, another you know, good point as well to think about that, like how much you post this is me here, there, and then people, exactly that, people know all this about you, you know, that's uh-huh. quite scary. It, it is. So, so I mean, I don't I don't tag the places where I go. I yeah. don't usually take photos where the name of the place is visible. I don't say, people ask me where my gym is a lot. I don't tell yeah. them where it is. <laughs> you know, I don't say, I don't say where my house is. I don't take yeah. photos outside my house that could identify where it is. I don't take photos in front of my car, like number plate, like just, just, yeah. just things that I'm like, I don't want people to be able to kind of really easily zero in on me. And, and yeah, I usually don't in a post until I've left a place. So yeah. you know, if I'm like, Hey, here I am having a coffee. Yeah. Um, I have left. Yeah. You, will not find, you won't find me in that building. I've safely departed that building yeah. and feel like I can now tweet about it. Yeah, um, that's it, isn't it? But no, I think, uh, I mean, but that's, I mean, as you start to get a larger following, I guess, but just generally speaking, being really cautious around scams as well. Like I've had, you know, my, I've been had a porn account scam me and pretend that I was a porn star and a lot of people <laughs> fell for it. Some of my followers paid um, oh, no. and gave their credit card information away and they, then they messaged me saying, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I just wanted to see you naked. Um, I'm like, well, that's flattering, <laughs> but you, you now lost your credit card. That's not great. Um, so things like that will happen. So just be really careful, like what, what you click from like what people send you. Like I didn't come from me, but someone's obviously just decided to clone my account and mm. try to trick people. So, so what do you do when you find that out? Do you take steps to get in touch with like the social media platform and then they uh, take it down? Or you have to report it. But I mean, yeah. I had to have literally hundreds of people. I mean, there were literally, it was well over a hundred people who messaged me saying, is this you? I've just been added by this thing. And I'm like, mm. no, it's not me. Can you please report it? Yeah. And it took over a hundred people to report it before it actually came down. It took a few days. Wow. Um, so stuff like that does go on. And, and I guess, and this is probably more generic and not just applicable to social media, but you know, some people, it's really hard. Writers are very empathetic and trusting people and we want to make friends, but some people are really not our friends. Yeah. And uh, that was really hard to learn that some people are going to want to use you or, or kind of use your voice to share their stuff. Or yeah. They're going to, you know, people I've barely met have been like, oh, yes, yes, he's a close friend of mine. And I'm like, I've met you once. You yeah, know, like, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to name um, drop, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, it's just a really odd thing. So I guess just be cautious of, of how close you become to someone and how quickly, you know, like I've learned to just be really mm. cautious of, yeah. uh, of any new interaction and, and keeping it really professional and really distant, even when someone seems really nice because I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know what people's agendas are. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm quite suspicious anyway, so I think I'd be like, well, what's your game? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm very. Yeah, yeah. You've got it. You've and got I don't believe a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you got it. You're sorted. Yeah. 
um i don't really understand how like algorithms and bots and stuff like that work but i've noticed with my instagram and i've stopped basically if i get a new follower i will look at their profile and see if they're interested in the same things as myself like writing and and that's what i'm on instagram as uh i'm on facebook personally but and both but yeah some because some people in the past mainly the the cryptocurrency people the the financial Uh. people seem to target me a lot and then when i add them then obviously they're just trying to sell me stuff and and then i have to end up saying are you interested in writing at all or authorship or you know like (laughs) no no and um so i've stopped accepting these people as friends and i find a lot i seem to get a lot of um uh, romantic things i suppose just like Uh uh like like guys trying to chat uh like like they're picking you up which i i find i feel like saying go to a dating site don't go on uh-huh. like i'm supposed social social but so i don't befriend them anymore either so i'm not sure how your platform ends up with or do people just scour the social media looking for like a hookup or something <laughs> i think i mean some are humans but some are just bots you know right, like it's okay, hard yeah. to it's hard to tell sometimes but there are humans who just are creepy yeah and, uh, or scammers i guess some of them yeah it's usually like the, the the surgeons or the army dudes or i don't know i'm just like uh-huh. that's and not even my fake. type like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but it's all it's all made up yeah. um no there is all that kind of stuff it's quite uh yeah it feels quite weird sometimes in yeah places, i right? just i just I, I wonder like i'm i'm just like what how, how do these people find me i have no idea and also um all at once um about two weeks ago about, about five five people book reviewers who have got quite a quite a big following but n- not anybody i know and then they sort of uh private message you and they're like um they're charging a service basically they they uh-huh. you know for you to put your book there for them to review it and the english is always broken which is the first sign to me like you know well you say uh-huh. canada are you really from there from somewhere else and chatting yeah, generic, and, yeah. generic so, scam yeah. yeah so but I, I don't know if they are scammers or actually just people but um yeah i just i'm very wary still as well but again all five at one point i'm just like how how has that happened is it mm-hmm. why have i floated mm-hmm. over to your area I <laughs> So, I mean, what, what's, what's been some of the weirdest things happen on social and some of the best <laughs> like for um, yourself? Some of the weirdest, I mean, some of the genuinely weirdest are the ones that I wouldn't even talk about here, but they are okay. <laughs> ones that were kind of <laughs> really troubling, like genuinely scary. Yeah. Like I was just like, oh, like, this person is just really cool. Like just this person's really unwell and I need to not interact. You know, people who, there are some people as well, they're not necessarily in that completely cooked category, but um, they think they're your best mate kind of thing because you wrote a book and they yeah. felt seen by it. Yeah. So they end up wanting to kind of message you every day. And, you know, eventually, well, very quickly, I just had to stop replying because I, I can't do that. Uh, one, I don't have time, but two, it's not, you know, I don't know this person. No. Um, so those kind of things happen. More of the fun, weird ones, you know, I get a lot of just guys trying to pick me up, which is yeah. um, very flattering. Because, you know, the, gay, the gays are very visual learners. So, you know, if I put up posts of me flexing or whatever, I, t- I end up getting yeah. <laughs> um, messages and, and nudes and, you know, videos of guys doing all kinds of things. Um, so that's, you know, it's a weird perk. And I'm like, thank you, flattered, but married. But, you know, cheers. Nice to see you, you know, enjoying yourself. So, so that happens a lot. Um, the best ones are when I get, actually, I get very occasionally I get fan art, which I really oh. like. Yeah. Um, that's really touching when someone does fan art um, of my characters, or even there's been a few of me, which is very, like, great for the ego. But you're just like, wow, someone spent their time, you know, drawing my characters. I just think that's yeah. really special. You know, there's there's been all kinds of interpretations of them. 
maybe half a dozen or so. That's pretty cool when someone has taken the time to be that touched by your work that they do that. And then just to be honest, I've written, I don't know if all my books will be like this and probably they won't. I think Invisible Boys is special in, in what it did um, in that it's tapped into a lot of a lot of people who read it, but especially gay men. Yeah. It taps into a lot of the trauma that they went through when they were growing up. So I get messages, you know, it's still pretty much every day. Mm. Um, and it's been a good two, nearly two and a half years since the book came it's out. It's probably um, not going to end for that book, to be honest, because people discover it day by day or just, you know. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's surprisingly had this really long tail. You're usually kind of told you've got three months to sell the book and then it dies, you know, unless it you know, becomes a bestseller. Yeah. Um, but this book has just kind of kept trundling along and the messages have just kind of kept coming and I'm grateful of them every single time that happened because I felt alone my whole life. I felt really weird. I felt this, you know, I was this weird, how can you be a gay bogan? You know, that doesn't make any sense. No one understands that. And, you know, not everyone who messaged me is gay and not everyone who messages me is a bogan, but a lot of them feel seen by either me and the way I am in the world or especially the book. They, they feel seen by Zeke and Charlie and Hammer and, and Matt, who's the fourth boy uh, in the book. And uh, that's really touching. That's probably the best part is that yeah. I put something out there that was really real for me and I felt alone my whole life and I felt weird about that. And suddenly you get hundreds, and probably at this point, close to a thousand. I don't know how many messages I've had, but lots, you know, hundreds of people have come and said, I see that and I feel the same way. And, you know, they got it once. Like they got one author write a book that made them feel seen. I've had hundreds of people messaging me saying, I feel seen by you. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, like, you know how overwhelming that is and how special it is to know mm. that, oh, I'm not alone, you know, and they're not alone. You know, it's, it's been awesome. So yeah. um, that's the best part. Oh, fantastic. No, that's amazing. Well, what can we expect to see from Holden in 2022 on, on social media and in your author career? So obviously the Brink's coming out and uh, when's the television series going to appear for um, Invisible Boys? Yeah, lots is happening. Um, I mean, so firstly, like more of the same, like I'm, I'm not a particular, particularly uh, inventive uh, beast on social media. So kind of what you see is what you get. <laughs> um, so I suspect it will still be similar stuff, but uh, yeah, I've got uh, I've got a piece of memoir coming out in uh, Black Ink's book called Growing Up in Country Australia, part of their Growing Up series. And that piece is called Territory, so that's out very soon. Um, and then yeah, the next big things will be the Brink is out in August, so I'll be right. kind of my social media will probably pivot around July to being kind of pretty heavily around uh, media and promo and events. You know, there'll be a book tour of some kind. I'll, I'll try to head over East again, assuming COVID allows me to, who knows what yeah. will happen by the point <laughs> lives. But, um, presumably there'll be, you know, a book tour kind of, uh, nationally again, I would like that. Um, so lots of coverage of that. And then, yeah, hopefully, uh, the TV series have moved along in gallops. It probably doesn't feel like it because TV moves even slower than publishing. <laughs> if, if Does that's it? Really? Wow. I'm surprised it's, at that. Yeah. It's, um, to get something adapted, it's, you know, it's a trek, but we've moved very quickly. We've got an option in 2020. It's got funding from uh, Screen West, yep. Screen Australia and Stan now, which is awesome. Yeah. So that's a streaming yeah. service. Yep. Um, so they're all on board. We've done two writer's rooms. We've written the whole first episode script. Oh, so you've been really uh, involved. I have. Yeah, I've been in, right. in those rooms and I've been right. part of kind of consulting on, you know, gave my feedback on the script yeah. and all that kind Did of thing. Did they give you involved. options, like if you want to be involved or or not? Yeah, it was actually, it was my my request 
it was my request to be involved. Initially, my agent and I had three different production companies trying to get the rights. Right. Um, so when you're in a situation like that, it actually just puts you in one of those positions where you can be yeah. like, well, I would like this and I would like yeah. that. And, you, know, you know, and if you don't, well, I'll go with the other party. You know, so it up to our negotiation ability. But we ended up with the amazing, so Nicholas Verso is directing, Tanya Chambers is producing both absolute powerhouses in the industry. Um so, I, and they really get the story. They really get what it is. I feel very uh, in good hands and I don't feel the need, you know, I'm involved as a writer. Like I'm one of the, the screenwriters on the show. Um, I'll probably write one or two episodes myself and then just be part of the writing process for the rest. But I'm not involved with the production side and I'm pretty happy with that because I don't know a thing about casting, about locations, no. about are you going to make you know, um? You're going to make a cameo appearance in it though. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're I'm like the old kidding. Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even kidding. I um, was one of the. I think it was one of the conditions actually of me. Oh, yeah, you know, when yeah. I was at that negotiation stage, I was like, I want to be. I just want to have a little cameo. I don't want to roll. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm not pretending I can act. <laughs> um, but I, I said I just want to be like you know like. Uh, drunk hobo number three yeah. like in the back of like the Freemasons <laughs> pub in Geraldton or something like that just like just yell out one line that's enough for me I just <laughs> want to have been in it briefly yeah um, definitely so, so that's the plan fantastic oh well, I'm so excited for you that's going to be great I can't wait for that to come out so is it going to be appearing on Stan well hopefully yeah so so yeah. Stan is Stan being involved and in giving that funding is yeah, indicating their that, interest yeah. in there damn it I'll have to get that one back but, um, <laughs> Yeah, there's just, um, yeah, I I will just say that there's no kind of guarantees with TV world. It's all kind of very fluid. But uh, yeah, so so we'll kind of find out more maybe around the time The Brink comes out, I would say. Um, We might find out a bit more about the next steps of the TV TV series and then go from there. But it's moving forward at a really good rate. So I'm very happy. Oh, fantastic. Well, congratulations. And uh, thank you so much for your time and experience and sharing all you have today. It's been fantastic. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you and your books on social media and in stores? For sure. Um, So head to holdenshepherd.com and you can find all the relevant links. Uh, You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at VHShepherd. Instagram, I'm at Holden Shepherd. And Facebook, I'm at Holden Shepherd Author. Pretty much heading to any local indie bookseller. Uh, that will have my book. You can find it at Big W now as well. Um, you can find it, uh, yeah, pretty much anywhere we'll be able to order it in if they don't have it on the shelf. But yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been so much fun chatting about social media, especially. I don't often get to talk kind of in depth about a topic an element of this industry so thanks for giving me that chance no that's you you've had some absolute gold to share and obviously from your experience so no thank you so much So there you have it, folks, the incredible Holden Shepherd sharing his social media tips with us lucky authors. Keep an eye out for his new book, The Brink, which is being released by Text Publishing this August. And the reviews are already hitting the shelves and social, and it sounds like it's another not able to be put down read from Holden. On the Hybrid Author Podcast next time, we have children's and contemporary fiction author Monique Mulligan, and she's sharing her insights on the topic of the publishing collective model, something I'd never heard about until I talked to Monique, so that's a great interview that's coming up next time. Best of luck for the next fortnight on your author adventure. It's bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you're further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.